Welcome to On Culture. On this podcast, we talk about culture and faith and the world and our place in it. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also support our work and explore all of our content on our website, theembassy.substack.com. Here's Mike. Hello again. We're back for another uh, episode of On Culture. On Culture is the podcast for the Embassy uh, newsletter, theembassy.substack.com. Love to see you there. Uh, today, I'm talking with Chris Bantz. Uh, Chris is campus pastor at St. Charles Campus for Calvary Church. Uh, and we're going to talk about truth. This is uh, in reference to the latest uh, embassy uh, uh, dispatch uh, called Tell the Truth. And just uh, just our thoughts about attitudes about uh, truth in our culture, where we have gone wrong and uh, perhaps, uh, and, uh, how we should think about truth. So how are you doing, Chris? I'm doing well. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Uh, our pleasure. Um, so, uh, in the piece, I kind of talk about some, uh, some notions, uh, concerning how in our culture we think about truth or, or we seem to be thinking about truth or understanding truth or, and I'm not sure we're totally consistent, you know, in our culture along that way. I, I, uh, I reference an op-ed I did last year, I think it was last year, um, where basically the premise is we don't really love the truth. You know, we love our narrative and we then call our narrative the truth. And so that's sort of a person. I have my personal truth in my narrative uh, and in there's two, two sorts of versions of that, I think. And one of them is just, it's my, nobody else's business. It's my truth. I have my own truth. Who are you to say anything about it? And the second version is, no, I have, you know, me and my tribe have the truth for everyone else. And I'm going to tell you what it is and cancel those who, you know, transgress it or whatever. So, um, we can start there or anywhere you think. So what are your thoughts on that sort of idea of having our own truth. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's interesting because one, um, no one likes to be told they're wrong or no one likes to be confronted with an error of thinking or belief or um, something that will unsettle the way I think they understand the world. Um, Like I remember growing up in, you know, kind of a rural flavor town and there is a sense of, okay, those who are, there's this narrative of those who are in poverty, um, aren't working hard enough, are doing their part, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then, um, you know, eventually I, I was a missionary in a very urban poor area and I was immediately confronted with, oh, it's not as simple as those in poverty don't work hard or are trying to take advantage of a system like that narrative was confronted face to face. And, and so when you experience something that conflicts with maybe the narrative you've been taught or the narrative that you've bought into, um, it's a really unsettling thing. Like it's a really uncomfortable place to be in. Um, and so I do think there is safety and there is comfort in staying within kind of your greater tribe because more or less like you're going to get a lot of pats on the back like you're going to be affirmed in the way you view the world and what you hold as truth Mm -hmm. um 
So yeah, let, let me talk yeah. about that because I do think there's two things there that are that are pretty interesting, and I think that play into what you know it's key to what we talk about and what's going on. And I think in our culture with relate with relation to truth is the first is there is an incentive to believe something about the world. I I yeah. want to believe something about people who are in poverty without really examining why do I want to believe this? And obviously mm -hmm. there's some level of this lets me off the hook. I don't have an obligation to them. I don't have to do anything about it. I don't have to feel bad. So there's all sorts of incentives to have this view. It's not like you, you were looking at a certain set of empirical studies and you came to some conclusion about poverty. It's just yeah. sort of in the air, as you say, that you grew up with. And this is why we're not too worried about this. We have a simple explanation that gives me something. And then you confront reality and you find out it's not so simple. And mm -hmm. then therefore there might be some sort of something, you know, the truth, if this is the truth, then maybe I, I need to respond differently. Mm -hmm. And as you said, we don't want to do that. Right. And so yeah, there's, a, there's a there's a there's a pull towards being of having a very simple and self-serving view of the world. And, you know, what you did was you actually went into the world and then saw, oh, it's not so simple and perhaps it shouldn't be so self-serving. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I just think I just wonder if the world is so complex and we are so aware of its complexity increasingly it seems like every year that i wonder if um a simple narrative doesn't like soothe our soul in some way um even if we haven't fully evaluated its validity yeah yeah it, it gives something to us that so yeah. that's why we tend to be drawn towards a simple something uh and i want to come back to that because i do think people of faith have a particular bent in this area um uh, and so what, one of the things I would do want to say is, be, so talking about your experience had a simplified sort of culturally in the water, unexamined sense of what was true about a certain uh, part of our culture. Then you experience something that refuted that. And, you know, one of the things I think is true is partly because we want to keep our simplified view of things we don't go then experience we isolate mm. ourselves in our tribe and so then i'm continually reinforced in my view and i explain away things i'm not experiencing and or i just i don't want to i don't want to go out and find out whether i'm right or i'm wrong because this idea is giving me something that I want mm -hmm. and I don't want to go out and find out, is this really the truth about people in poverty? And so it's, it's not, I, I don't think it's always the case that we go and, and are confronted with something and then reject it. We just protect ourselves from being confronted with it and isolate ourselves. Right. Yeah. Yeah. When I look at a lot of my peers, it, it seems it can quite often be an extreme of, I'm not going to go outside of my tribe because those are dangerous, uncomfortable waters. Um, or I did get some experience outside of my tribe and now I'm like all in. And now I'm just going to kind of um, also spin this narrative that, you know, my parents lied to me, my upbringing lied to me, my 
um, local church lied to me or, or, you know, whatever, this sense of now that I'm enlightened with this experience outside of my tribe, I'm going to kind of despise the shackles of my upbringing. Um, and so it seems like often when I look around my peer group, um, people are going to one of those two extremes quite often. And there's not a ton, but I would say maybe a more reasonable middle. Mm. That's really good. So basically, it allows me to exchange one overly simplified and flawed view of the world with another one. Yeah. And and therefore, I'm, I'm, I'm now released from all of the old truth claims that I didn't like. And I feel righteous about it because I found out the truth. And I'm basically just doing the same thing in, in reverse. Right, I've just joined a different tribe, right? Yeah, and I'm not really yeah, interested I, I, in what you know. Maybe my parents, or maybe my church, or my upbringing wasn't wrong about everything. It's just simpler mm -hmm. to think I'm just rejecting all of that and starting all over again. Yeah, I think one mentality is a bit defensive in that um, you know these these people from the outside are trying to attack that which I've been instilled with in which is valuable. And I think on the other hand, the, the other narrative is kind of, um, uh, you know, like I'm in some way kind of a chosen one that is now realizing um, that my destiny or my thought or my, the way I view the world is now greater and truer and grander, right? It's, you know, it's, it's kind of almost like this moment where that, they feel like almost like Luke realizing he's a Jedi or, mm -hmm. or something, right? It's like, okay, now I'm aware of this greater thing. Now I'm going to leave that, which was a, a part of, because I'm like on a greater trajectory now. I'm beyond it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm beyond it. And I, I dare say there are some people who make this move and perhaps aren't completely super self-reflective about all the incentives. Like in other words, they have relational issues maybe with their parents or they have relational issues with these people. And so that's part of the appeal of, I get to join a new tribe and reject all these people because I have issues with them anyway. They've disappointed yes. me. They made me angry or whatever, or they're hypocrites, which, you know, to some degree, everyone is hypocritical. Yeah. Uh, and so one could always do that. Uh, I think that's, and so yeah, I do think that's right in which a lot of people who have come upon this new view of, you know, a new sense of truth uh, is, is probably just a different version of the old sense of truth. So there's, there, there was a time, it seemed not that long ago when there was a more of a no truth what is nobody can know what truth is nobody can be you know who are you to you try to impose your truth on me you know judge not you know lest you be judged uh was the favorite verse of all uh people outside of the church and many, many inside it um you know don't give me your truth i think that's way less than it used to be it seemed like that was kind of it flowered in a more you know, progressive uh, age of, you know, reevaluating old and calcified ways of, and then it kind of maybe overcorrected over to the, who are you to tell me anything, you know, 
live and live and let live. There is no truth that we're all accountable to. And now it seems like it's swung back to a different version of, no, this is the truth. You know, my tribe has the truth. I'm rejecting your tribe's truth. I'm reinforcing my sense of truth within my tribe and da, 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 da. Do you think, is that my, in my sense of, do you agree with that? And why do you think that's going on if that's going on? Yeah. Or are you yeah. too young to remember the, uh, you know, there's judge not or whatever, uh, <laughs> you know, view of things. No, I, no, I do think there has been a recent shift in that. Um, even in my kind of limited experience of, of, of church and, um, even, you know, being younger American culture, even as, um, there was a very strong sense of if you want to believe that, like you have the liberty and the freedom to believe that, and I'm not going to infringe on it. And, um, you know, I'm going to disagree in the way I believe, but, um, yeah, there was, I would say there was a legitimate fear of judging someone else. Um, but I think we've had such uh, worldwide and polarizing events in the last, you know, 10, 15 years that um, now I think people are much more on the side of the spectrum where it says like, no, you cannot hold that opinion. You cannot hold that truth uh, because it's evil or it's damaging or it's hurtful. Now, sometimes it, it could be evil or damaging and, and we do want to, you know, there are worldviews that I, I think we can agree, like we need to condemn, like we, there, there shouldn't be room for those um, in like, you know, a, a highly functioning or, you know, um, place of trying to progress, but uh, there's, there's kind of this interesting thing where kind of what you said earlier is that you're trading the simple for the simple. But I think oftentimes people, they're not aware of that. Like they're trading um, some things. They see themselves as trading simple for something highly complex. And so they've kind of feel this need to be a, a prophet who condemns uh, the people who are still stuck with the simple view. Mm. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. That that it's so in other words another way of saying it and this is the way i i think i was you know trying to toy with in the uh in the in the in the uh, in the essay uh and you know by quoting the avett brother song a few times where you know if you tell the truth to yourself uh then things become much simpler clearer better and in making this this shift to this new truth that I'm certain of, I'm not really telling the truth to myself Mm -hmm. because I have incentives not to, uh, I'm incentivized to, you know, have certainty feels better, obviously, Mm -hmm. and moral certainty feels great Mm -hmm. nuance and implicating myself in the brokenness of the world. None of that feels as good as being like the good guys against the bad guys. Mm-hmm. And I do think that so much of our culture now has shifted to, uh, yeah, don't, you know, don't tell anybody else what to do to, I will tell you what to do. And mm-hmm. I do think that there are worldviews that need to be addressed. I do think the, I do think condemn not that lest you be condemned is, is in the Bible for a reason. 
Mm-hmm. One of them is I'm never really in a position to condemn someone else. I mean, God can do that. I cannot. And I'm always in a position to be, uh, you know, legitimately part of my view, part of my action should, you know, is condemnable as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there's this sort of gracious, uh, you know, truth seeking uh, communal way of trying to find things out, which is sort of against that whole thing. And I do believe that a lot of this condemnation, I mean, we, you, hear, you hear the virtual, virtue single, signaling is a, is a phrase that you hear a lot. I think a lot of it is just, I'm proving my goodness by condemning your badness. And in some ways, once I'm there, I have strong incentives to continue to think you're bad and strong incentives to continue to think I'm good. Mm-hmm. And what's lost is curiosity about discovering what really is true. Yeah, I, I do think it is sad that there's a curiosity loss because unfortunately it seems like to be um, in a lot of spheres, to be a moderate within your tribe is a very big risk, like to be that which could experience other things. And so um, I think people... Um, I would say it like this, I I think people just buy in bulk, like they just wholesale buy in bulk a set of ideas. Um, Because if you look at those who would identify as progressive, like there's probably some things they're fighting for that are good. Like there are things in our society that need to be called out and need to change. And if you look at, you know, whatever people wanting to conserve, be conservative, they're like, there are things we should conserve. And there, in some ways, you know, we shouldn't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Like, um, and so, but simplicity is always um, a big hurdle mm-hmm. to the truth, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think. Um, and in the complexities of affirming and it's like, can you affirm and condemn within the same arena? That's the really hard work, but probably the place that gets you closer to like, honest reality yeah if i'm open to the possibility that some of what i believe is in the bad category or the wrong category or the incorrect category the incomplete category and uh then i i do i mean because there's this idea that comes from science of uh falsifiability that uh if uh if you don't have if a theory is not falsifiable it's not really a scientific theory in other words if this theory is false, then the result of this experiment should be X. Or if this theory is true, the result of the experiment should be X. And if it's not X, I know the theory is false. Mm-hmm. Um, and what we, so that the whole goal of science then in a sense is to try to disprove something. And that's how you actually prove it. Uh, or uh, however you come as close as possible. If you try to disprove it a hundred different ways and you can't, well, then probably it's true. And that's what we don't do. We don't try to, we don't leave our existing view of poverty and go to the inner city often enough to say, oh, is this really true? Oh, it's Mm -hmm. actually way more complicated than that because that complicates our life, because that whatever we don't really want to do that. Like, what if I'm wrong about X? How would the world look? Or what if I'm wrong about Y? How would I find that out? Or what are these people over here saying who think, oh, I think are wrong or think I'm wrong? What's the best version of their argument? 
like if if not the worst version because that's what we always do you, you know we don't steal man it we straw man it like mm -hmm. the worst most ridiculous version we obviously point to them and say well obviously they're wrong but what's the best when they're making their best point how do i have an answer to that that takes some sort of not only work but it takes a stance towards the world of I'm wrong about something here. I'm not a hundred percent right about everything. I'm not a hundred percent right probably about any one thing. So what does, you know, if I want to know what's true, I want to pursue it. This is what it looks like. I think everything in our culture works against that. Uh, everything in our culture works. No, 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 no. You're part of our view of truth. Stay here, mm -hmm. stay with us. You know, don't betray our tribe by trying to find out where our tribe is wrong. Do you think that's right? Yeah. And I, I think to your point of like, we don't go into the city enough or we don't experience that thing enough. I think we kind of have an arrogance of like, we don't have to, and we don't need to, because what we've heard said, what we've heard reported is what we're going to go with. Mm -hmm. So there's this really weird irony where there's kind of a distrust of news and media in a new way, like especially in the last, you know, whatever, 20, 30 years. And yet at the same time, we will buy it to shape our narrative. Um, yeah. Like like Ferguson is an excellent example. If you mm -hmm. talk to people who've never stepped foot in Missouri a day in their life and you talk about Ferguson, they can have wild news images in their heads of like a really dangerous neighborhood. Um, but the, for those of us who live in St. Louis, we know that places like Ferguson, Bruco, and like there's lovely restaurants and people and things to enjoy there. And so the local experience of the thing can be radically different than the reported meaning of yeah. the thing, but we just buy the reported meaning. And so we don't see the need to actually yeah. experience firsthand. And then our narrative is just solidified yeah. all the more. I, I mean, I think when you talk to most people who are in person at events like this, their experience is often very different from what you're going to get from a lot of the reporting. Yeah, there's a name for that. I forget what it is, but basically this phenomenon where, um, and most people have had it, if you're familiar with something or you work in an industry and the media covers it, you will see, okay, well, that's not really right, you know. But then when they write about some other thing, you completely trust them if it fits your worldview. Yeah. Uh, because it, it's, it serves you as well. Um, Okay, before uh, before we we finish here, I do want to talk about this this sense of finding truth or being comfortable with uncertainty, perhaps in our faith, because I think people of faith have other powerful incentives to have certainty uh, in as many areas as possible. Um, first of all, do you think that's true? And then, what does it mean for a person of faith to seek the truth? Uh, and what and how do you how do you solve that problem? Yeah, I, I, I do think the energy to find certainty within Christianity um, is very high. Um, and, I, and I do think that is because, you know, there are, um, there are values for intellectual defenses and defending against culture and intellectualism and scientific thought and all these things, which... Um, I would say in, in, in all these things can exist within, right? Like scientific thought can exist within the Christian faith and actually probably even bolster it 
um, in yeah. some ways. Yeah. If it's um, true, sure. Yeah. But but yeah, I think there's a lot of energy um, towards like we've castle mentality. We've got to defend. We've got to be certain. And if I'm not certain, then what does that say about my faith? So I think we make an incorrect correlation and cause you know causation to if I'm uncertain, I am less faithful. Or if I'm uncertain, I have a less amount of faith, which I think when we see Jesus interact with people all throughout the Gospels, um, I think we see something wildly different. We see him um, interacting with the woman at the well who has um, a, you know, theological misunderstanding. Yeah. Um, We see the rich young ruler who thinks he's got all the law figured out but hasn't addressed the idol in his heart. So we see people that come in and they interact with Jesus. They come in high certainty, um, but they're actually inaccurate. And then Jesus lovingly points them to a place of accuracy that actually means that they're leaving with less certainty than they had before they talked to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Yeah, perhaps less certainty about a whole bunch of stuff they used to believe, but more certainty about a couple things or one thing. That, are that is actually key. Yeah, that's crucial. Yeah. And I, yeah. So the most certain people, you know, uh, other than perhaps Jesus uh, in the New Testament, certainly are Pharisees. And th- they're not presented as positive examples uh, very often. And that's sort of the the sense in which I look at it is I'm I'm not against certainty. You know, writ large, there are certain things that I am effectively certain of or my, they're sort of foundational to my faith worldview mm-hmm. to where I'm open to conversations about them, but I'm pretty, I'm pretty convinced that the Bible is the word of God, for instance. Yes. Uh, you know, that, that Jesus is God's son. Yes. The problem comes, I think, when that circle of what we are effectively certain of or what we hold to be most true grows beyond, you know, 10 or a dozen things and, and ends up to be, 5,000 things that all have to be true uh, in order, in order, I have to be certain in all of them in order to feel good instead mm-hmm. of saying, I'm certain, I basically, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, but I don't know when, you know, Jesus is going to return or, you know, I'm not really sure about this particular, uh, you know, uh, doctrine that there's some controversy over and so on. And that's okay. Cause I, I I'm here, I'm grounded here, but over here I can hold some of these other things loosely because they're less central. And I do think that a lot of younger people have, they grow up with the 5,000 things have to be true mm-hmm. you know, view of the faith. And they find out two or three of those things aren't true and they throw the whole thing out. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I think Man, this this may sound a little bit uncomfortable, but I think maybe we need to get to a place where we're comfortable with different levels of confidence yeah. in certain things and to be okay with that. Like, yeah. I'm a hundred percent confident that Jesus resurrected from the dead. Yes. My confidence level for knowing the species of fish that spit Jonah up is probably like five percent. <laughs> yeah, and one of them is super central. Right. And is, you know, a whole bunch of other things is based on. And one of them isn't at all. You know, it's right. like you don't have to know the second one. And, uh, you know, I do think that this will probably make some other people uncomfortable. But the whole sense of 
you know, how long did God take to, to uh, create the universe? You know, this, the, the thing that I am foundational on is that God created us from nothing. Yeah. We are image bearers. How he did it, uh, how long it took, I'm interested in all that discussion and I can hold it loosely because the central truth is what's true, what's, what's, mm -hmm. what's, what's required here. And now, uh, so keeping the central central allows me to enter into some of these other discussions or to open up a conversation with people who don't have faith where that's going to be a stumbling block. And I can be, I can hold it loosely while holding some things firmly. And I do think this sense of certainty is bad is sometimes overplayed where I, like I said, I'm, like you said, I'm effectively certain of these relatively few things and that's good. In fact, it's necessary to have some sort of foundation in the world. Yeah. It's just when I expand that to a whole bunch of things and now it's, you know, uh, uh, it's like a house of cards that I, I said to keep everything straight or the whole thing could come down. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's a bind we get ourselves into. And I think, you know, you know, the EFCA and our churches that we're in, they, they talk about majoring on the majors. Like these are the things the doctrinal yeah. statements, pretty short. You could fit it on a, you know, depending on the font size, a single piece of paper. Yeah. Uh, and all these other things we can hold loosely. And I think that's a huge draw. I think some, I think that there's a cultural draw to, to make the doctrinal statement a hundred pages long. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I do think we need to be aware, right? Like what direction are you headed? Because um, for the overly simplistic view of Christianity, you will take um, the certainty and the confidence of the large things, and you will try to shoehorn it in to the minor things that aren't unimportant, but aren't foundational for the person deconstructing they'll take their lack of confidence and, and they'll take their uncertainty on the smaller things. And then they'll conflate that directionally to the really big things that are foundational. Mm. Um, and so I think both are errors, both are directionally moving away from where you want to be. Yeah. They're, they're just very different directions to move in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's very good. I, I so we were incentivized to sort of massage our view of the truth to, to make us feel comfortable or to, you know, cement us in our tribe or all sorts of things. I think one final thought I want to leave with, uh, as we're running out of time here is, uh, I think that I am not going to know everything that uh, I'm never going to know everything that, you know, this idea that things will become clear, you know, later, well, they will become clearer, but I'm still finite. There's still, I'm not going to be God. I'm not going to be omniscient. There's, there's things I'm not going to know and that's okay. In other words, I don't believe that I don't know things because I'm fallen. I do believe I, I don't have some truth due to my fallenness, mm -hmm. but once I'm, once I'm fully, you know, redeemed in heaven, I'm not going to be God. I'm not going to be omniscient. So not knowing something is okay. Uh, we don't, I don't have to know everything. And so then the question becomes, what are these things? What are these foundational things that I need to kind of get clear in my faith? What is my view of God? What is my view of the church? What is my view of the Bible? You know, in sort of a foundational, what's the, you know, the, 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 the really, really of it. 
and be clear on that. And that allows me, gives me the freedom to kind of think about other things in a way that I think allows me to then take some of these things forward and try to falsify them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I do think that's a healthy view of, of truth. I think it allows a positive stance towards culture, towards people you don't agree with. It gives you an openness and a curiosity that feels doesn't feel necessarily unsafe because I'm sure of these things and of these other things uh, I want to find out, you know? Yeah. So I think that's sort of what I was trying to get across uh, in, in the, in the MC post. And I hope that's something that I'm growing into as I get older. Uh, and I hope that's something that we can recommend uh, to everyone else. Um, so let's end there. Thanks, Chris. Thanks for joining. Yeah. Thanks for having me. No problem. Uh, it was fun. Uh, we'll do this again another time. Uh, thanks for listening to On Culture. Uh, check us out at the embassy, theembassy.substack.com. And uh, we'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening. Do you enjoy On Culture? You can support us and the content produced by subscribing to our newsletter, The Embassy, by visiting theembassy.substack.com. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.